Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you and great to have you as we continue our Jericho Wall series on this uh, beautiful summer day. It's great to be in the house of the Lord and we're glad that you're visiting with us or you're joining us because this series has really been an impactful one on so many lives and we're, we're very grateful for that. We've uh, tackled the wall of anxiety and fear. We've tackled the wall of even generational sin if you're following along with this sermon series and, and we're gonna really deal with a, a different subject today that is still another uh, difficult wall um, because it's a wall that if, if not knocked down, this could really lead to, to things happening in our life that we did, do not want to have happen. And so I pray that this will really be an encouragement to everybody who's listening. Let, let's start with this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start today. I, I think most of the kids are, are out of school now so I can do this and not draw up too many terrible memories, but we're gonna have a quiz. Okay, that did not speak to anybody. How about a test? Does that sound better? No, naughty. Uh, let, let's see. How many of you, you think you have a good memory? I didn't get an overwhelming response there. I don't know if everybody's like, some of you like you have unbelievable memories and some of you not so much, right? It's amazing what we remember too. I, I, I'm, a, I'm one who, who can remember moments and I tend to remember my feelings in the moment. My bride doesn't work that way and she'll be like, I don't really remember it going that way. I'm like, no, it was like that. And you're like, yeah, I kind of have it going this way. And sometimes you remember things and, and then other times you don't. Do you have a child or a grandchild that remembers everything, like everything? And you're like, do you forget anything? Remember that time we went and there was a room, it was blue, and then there was a picture on the wall to the right and it had this on. You're like, what? But some of you, your memory is really sharp. And then others of you, when you drive out of the church today, you'll forget where your house is. You're, you know, you don't even know where you are half the time. Are, are you at the age where you're walking into rooms going, why am I here? Oh, man. And, 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 and we don't want to lose our memory. We want to have a good memory. So I've set you up to really try to remember. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a game with all of us that we even play in our kids' churches and all that stuff. And I'm going to flash up a picture. And then I'm going to ask questions. And we're going to see if you remember the picture. Okay? So here's the first picture in our memory game. Yeah, you're studying it. Five, four, three, two, one. How many puppies were there? Are you sure? How many brown puppies were there? How many of you thought I had it on the app, but I don't have it on the app, so you can't see? How many were laying down? Now, wouldn't it be awful if I don't give out the answers and we just keep going? Wouldn't that be terrible? Let's go back and look. Let's go back and look. Let's see if you were right. Were you right? Were you right? Giving you a little chance here. Let's go to the next one for those of you who didn't feel challenged by that. And I'm gonna give you five seconds on this image. Here we go. It's Legoland theme this year at day camp. Five, four, three, two, one. What was the business's name? Man, we're good here. Some of you are like, what? What shirt color was he washing? Ah. How long is it gonna be open, the store? 
All right, let's double check. Let's see if your memory is good in just that image. Soap and suds, green shirt, open 24 hours. All right, all right, some of you still not challenged, so one more, five seconds, put this one up. What, what, what? What, hurry up, three, two, one. Okay, take it on. Name three colors that you saw. How many red balls were there? I heard four. Was it plus or minus 75 balls? What do you think? All right, so let's go back. How many of you are realizing there's no red balls who shouted out how many red balls there were? <laughs> Three! How many of you have somebody in your family that even if you Google the right answer, they still disagree? They're, you, they're right, even if Google says they're wrong, right? right? There's 82 balls, I spent the time, so if you said over 75, you did good. You know what, it's easy to play a memory game, but it's also easy sometimes to forget things that were once very important in our lives, or at least bring back memories. I bet even in your own neighborhood, you might forget things from time to time or neglect to remember things that used to be there. How many of you are local in the tune of maybe you've lived in this area for over 50 years? There's a couple hands. You should have seen the first service. There was a little bit stronger attack on this. But if you've lived in the Pennsylvania area, then you might forget some of the most key buildings in your childhood. Like, for example, if you are from this area, you might remember going to Allentown to Hess's. Up in Allentown, they had this huge department store and the kids would dress up to go to it. They'd have snacks downstairs and everything. It was a multi-level department store. In fact, Hess's expanded and even went into Quakertown at the Richland Mall. And I remember growing up seeing the toy soldiers outside of Hess's and being in awe of them. It's now, it was then, it then became what? Bonton, and now who knows what it's gonna become. But, but some of you, what if you grew up in Perkis, you might remember buildings like Lesher's that was right down there on Main Street. You might remember it opening and you're really dating yourself, right? Or how about, how about this? Maybe you remember, she might be here today even, Mim Fox. How many remember Fox's grocery store? I went there as a little boy and um, I got a free slice of cheese if I was good. We went back to the back, we got a free slice of cheese. It was like Fox's right across from Mr. Mike's house now, right? right? So, so and then you might remember um, this building, James Way in Souderton. Remember James Way, Ames, remember some of these? Okay, you're like, wow, I'm, things are passing me by because I remember these things, right? How, how many of you remember this? How many of you remember Trainer's Restaurant in Quakertown? What? Yes, there used to be Trainer's Restaurant. It had the big lobster on it and people would go there who had some cash money. No, 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 you just, that was a place, that was a nice restaurant. And people went and you say, where is that? Okay, young people, I'll speak to you. You know where your McDonald's and TGI Fridays is in Quakertown? Here's a little aerial shot from vintage photos that that was right on that corner. In fact, when TGI Fridays built in there at McDonald's, they put the lobster on TGI Fridays 
Fridays for a little while. And people were like, why, why is there a lobster on the side of a Friday's building? It was because of history. Some of you who grew up in this area can remember some of those things. And it's easy to forget them as you go through life. But I wanna talk about something that might be worse than forgetting something. It's the word disregard. That's deeper, isn't it? It's one thing to forget, it's another to disregard something. Disregard means to pay no attention to, to ignore, or to overlook. And you live in a country where it does things to ensure things do not get overlooked or do not get disregarded, and it sets up memorials. And you see memorials throughout society, you see memorials in scripture. And memorials seem to have a threefold purpose when you think about them. The first is really just to, to get our hands around it. I, I, I wanna think about a, a something I saw one time as a young person that really kinda, really spoke to me. I had never seen anything like it. And it's at Arlington Cemetery, and it's called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Have any of you been to this? Anybody ever seen this? It's unbelievable. And what's really astounding is when the changing of the guard occurs. And people line up to see this and to go through this. And I got to, I went there and my dad told me to anticipate this. And I was a young kid at the time. And I was standing there and out come these soldiers and they like walk on air. They just like, they're like, woo. And it's so cool. I was walking around later that day like that, just kind of copying how they walk. Because there was something to this memorial. It was dedicated to, as the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers, the soldiers who wouldn't die without their names being honored, that they didn't have their names. So, so they went all about this and they built this huge thing right outside the military museum called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And it's guarded 24 seven. Threefold purpose to memorials that I've kind of put together in my life. Here's the first reason. To remember something. To recall. To bring to mind that there were soldiers whose names would go unknown. That they would have a place. The tomb of the unknown soldier. It's also to reflect. To ponder. To think deeply or carefully. To contemplate the loss that has occurred or the importance of the life beyond this. And people line up and watch this. In fact, I have some footage of it going on. And it's just astounding to watch the preciseness of it and, and, the, and the dedication to it, as well as the exact steps. I mean, watch some of this. Um, if they're able to pull it up, I mean, they just got to like everything, the 21 said back and forth on that thing in front of the tomb. And then they change the guard and the guard checks the gun and he goes over it and studies it. There's a time of remembering, reflecting, but they do this 24 seven. In fact, here's an image I'll show to the in-house. Here's an image of them guarding it during Hurricane Sandy. They're out there with the changing of the guard, regard to bring attention to, to esteem, to respect, to acknowledge. So I see these words, remember, reflect, regard, and I think of memorials in my life. You know, this week, Jericho Walls, we're going to call this the wall of disregard. I said earlier, it's one thing to forget. Have you ever forgotten an appointment is that not the worst? Have you ever forgotten a breakfast appointment and you're sitting there 
or you're in bed or you're doing something and you get a text and it says, hey, I got a booth, are you coming? I'm gonna just speak hypothetically of something that happened to somebody one time. <laughs> there was this pastor who went out to breakfast with uh, somebody and he's sitting there eating breakfast and he got a text while he's enjoying his breakfast that says, hey, are you at Roy Inn or Rock Hill Filling? Cause I don't see you. Oh no, cause it's not the person I'm with. I've double booked and lying is not an option for a pastor. I don't have that option. Oh, on my way, not my option, not my option. Here's the second option that I don't have. It was a deacon that was at the other breakfast joint, so I'm really in, in, in a spot. And now I've double booked myself. Young people, have you ever missed a class? College student, remember the first time you missed something important? You're like, oh my word. That is the worst way to wake up, by the way. The worst is to already start off on a bad foot. You ever forget something you don't wanna forget? Have you ever forgotten hypothetically to pick your child up at school? And your wife texts you, hey, did you get him? On my way, which my wife realizes when I say on my way, it means I'm just getting up out of my office and running out of absolute disappointment in myself and understanding I'm gonna pay for this when I get home. Oh, it's one thing to forget. It's another to disregard something. You know, if you're a parent here, you know what it's like to be disregarded. You know that emotion. A decision was made that wasn't run by you. Something was done that they had no thought of how that would impact you. You know what it's like to be disregarded. If you're a young person here today and you have authority figures in your life who don't take your feelings into account, they don't care about how you felt in the situation, you understand what it feels like to be disregarded. A mom who's taken two extra jobs, but yet still getting attitude for the people she's killing herself working for, understands what it's like to be disregarded in something. A father who's doing everything he can, yet nobody acknowledges it, understands sometimes to kind of what it feels like to be disregarded. A grandpa who's never brought into the situation, isn't thought of, isn't sought out for wisdom, understands what it's like to sometimes just be disregarded. Sweetheart, they didn't even care about my feelings in that situation. You know what, it's like they did that without even thinking about how that would impact me. It's like that business decision was made at work and it's like they don't even care that I work there and it was my area of oversight and now I look like this all because I've been disregarded. If you know the emotion, I want you to think, how does it impact my heavenly father when I make decisions, when I live my life, when I do what I wanna do and completely disregard what he's asked me to do, what he's told me to do, or even what he's shown me to do. And when this wall goes up, in humans, we get resentful and bitter at times. Our heavenly father gives us even more grace, but how much more does it inspire us to say, where am I disregarding 
God in my life? What arena of life am I leaving him out of? This is a wall that needs to come down today. For I believe our heavenly father deserves to be remembered, to be reflected upon, and to be regarded in every aspect of our lives. And did you know there are some times where he doesn't just let us go, he demands we do it. And that is our text today. Jericho walls, the wall of disregard. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today and open your word, your precious word, we live in a time with tremendous distraction, noise all about us, plenty of things to be frustrated, anxious, dwell upon that are not of you. But we serve a heavenly father who in glory is unfaced, has complete sovereignty over everything and desires us to rest in him. Lord, we thank you for this time during our very busy and full and distracted weeks to pause give you all the honor and glory. And I pray you remove this place of distractions that we might hear from you today. I pray that you would take this time for us to settle into your word and submit to what it has for us. But I pray for anyone today who has gotten themselves so busy, so distracted, so concerned with the affairs of this earth that forgetting that they're forgetting that they're even disregarding their heavenly fathers actively working in their lives and in this world and through his word. Lord, may we learn from what you demanded of the Israelites today, in Jesus' name, amen. We found ourselves in Joshua 3 at the Jordan River. It's time to cross, but it's at flood stage. If you've ever stood by, oh, let's say the Delaware River, if you're from Pennsylvania watching us, we have a Delaware River near us. And if you see it at flood stage, it is not something you go, oh, let's go across, let alone with a million people. And, and it's right, racing down and, and God has called them to cross it. And crossing over demonstrates a step into freedom. They had been slaves in Egypt. It demonstrates a step of faith for this is something that is impossible. It demonstrates a step into the promise for this is something God has for them and it demonstrates a crossing, a starting over, if you will, a going from here to there. Have you ever desired to start over but you feel it's impossible? Have you ever wanted to renew something but you feel like you can't? Isn't it interesting that God wants to show a generation that you can cross over, but it's gonna take me and it's gonna take faith. 
because the enemy will do everything he can to terrify you into staying put, staying stuck, staying frustrated, staying angry, staying resentful, staying divided, staying bitter. He will do everything he can and he often uses fear. But remember we talked about it last week, Joshua, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Step into the waters, go across. God is with you and God commands Joshua, tell him, take the Ark of the Covenant and walk before the people. Oh, oh, maybe four or five football fields in front of the people. And when the priest's feet step into that Jordan River, it's gonna dry up. You're gonna cross on dry land. So Joshua sends them out. And I love this picture. God's saying, on your mark, they camped by the Jordan. Get set, grab the priests and follow. Not go. Follow the ark. The ark is a representation that God is before them. The ark is a representation of Jesus Christ if you play it all the way out through scripture, but it is God going before him. And the priests walked out into that riverbed and it dried up and they stood firm in the river. You said, that was last week, Chris. But this week, I wanna point out something that God commanded Joshua do as they're crossing, even as they're getting across. It's in Joshua chapter four. Look at this. He says this, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. You know, this isn't 500 people or so like we have in this room crossing. This is like a million some people crossing. I don't even know how long this took, but God wants something done at this crossing. He wants them to go into the river right where the priests are standing and he wants them to get stones. So Joshua is called right away to do something that enables him to, you guessed it, remember. Scripture continues. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. We got 12 tribes here, go get 12 stones. And he says that this may be a sign to you when your children ask in the time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And so these stones shall be to all the people of Israel a memorial forever. And look what the people did. And the people did exactly as Joshua commanded them. And they took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the numbers of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged. And they laid them down there. They're walking across. The priests are standing firm. The, the river is drying up. The people are walking across, walking across. And God says, wait. I want you to go back into that river, 
12 select men, one from each tribe, and I want you to get a stone out of it. Now, I just happen to have boulders on stage. uh, It's about 3,000 pounds, but I have been working, all right? And bring them over, and they put them on their shoulders, and they lifted them up, and they carried them on their shoulders. It might have been bigger than this. I don't know, but they took it out, and they took it to the camp at Gilgal. Now, do you know what the word Gilgal means? Do you mind if I put this down to tell you what the word Gilgal means? Gilgal can mean a circle. It can also mean rolling. So I wonder if these stones were rolled there, they were so big, and placed there, 12 of them, boom, boom, and I'd probably be up to the top of the ceiling if I had 12 stones, and they may have been bigger, but God wanted them to what? He wanted them to remember. Remember what happened here. I want a memorial, and I want you to take it to your camp, and these stones are only gonna be able to be on the shore because the river was dried up, because otherwise you would have never gotten to them. You didn't have any technology that would enable you to get them out unless you pulled them out and put them on the shore side. It's as if God wanted these memorials, this big stack of stones to be there forever to say to all of Israel every time they looked at it and every time their kids asked, what's up with these stones? Well, kids, if God is for us, who can be against us? Papa, do you know if Yahweh is for us? Oh, 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 my word. Oh, oh, hey, look at this. Yes, if God is for us, he did this. If God's for us, who can be against us? God wants a memorial to remember what he did at the Jordan River. Here's the second part. Reflect. Reflect. You want to remember, but you also want to reflect. And this time, it's Joshua's turn. Joshua, he set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And there they stand to this day. For the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. It's as if there was part for the people to play to bring the rocks out. But now, now Joshua is taking stones into the river and putting them, wait, where, where? Right where the priests, God is like God saying, that's holy ground where the priests stood still. I want you to put them right there. And Joshua sets up 12 in the river. It would be something to reflect upon. Maybe if the Jordan ever got lower, they would see these 12 stones. Did you know there's a lake near Geneva, Switzerland that someone engraved on a stone? When you read this, weep. It can only be seen during times of drought. If you've ever lived by a river, you know there's times where it's very low and things that never get exposed get exposed. When the river would get low or this lake would get low, it would expose when you read this weep because the area, the territory was in drought season and it was a time to mourn. I wonder if sometimes when it was low, 
Joshua and the Israelites would look out and see that. Oh, that's where we crossed. We were able to carry stones in at that time for it was dry. But is it possible that it's, Daddy, what are those stones out there? Let me tell you. If he did it once, he can do it again. If he was able to do something that miraculous once, he can do it again. And let that be a message for all the nations. If God can do that for his people, he can do that again. Who here has the enemy whispered too much into that has told you that, yeah, God did it once, but he ain't doing it again? that memorial was to remind the Israelites, if God is for us, who can be against us? Remember that, but maybe reflect, if he did that, then just maybe he wants to do it again. But there's a third aspect. Remember, reflect, regard. Regard. There's an aspect to the Lord that he wants to make sure we regard him. When we disregard him, bad things happen in homes, in families, in lives, and you bet for the nation of Israel. The people, scripture says, passed over in haste. And when the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh passed over, armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told him. And about 40,000 were ready for war, passed over before the Lord into battle, into the plains of Jericho. So now we know that there's a military aspect to the million some people crossing. 40,000 of them are ready for whatever lies ahead head and it's like the scripture stops and points something out that's seemingly random and on that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. What? Why was that important to note? Stay tuned. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. Oh yeah, those guys are still down there. Hold it firm. Go get them. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan, they returned to their place and overflowed its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, 40 years to the date where God had told them to prepare the Paschal lambs to leave and they didn't follow God. Now they're coming up out of the water, a strategic moment. And they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho around their memorial that they pulled from the riverbed. They would regard their God and not forget what he did. It's as if the Israelites, as they're building it, are seeing something that would say to them, Regard God. If 
God commanded this. If this is something God thinks we need to do, if this is something he places tremendous value on, if God commanded this now, we must need it when? Later. We must need this. This must be something that we're gonna have to come back to. This massive tower of rocks is gonna have to be something that we come back to because when God asks us to do something, he knows we're gonna need it not only now, but later. It's as if our heavenly father knows you guys are so quick to forget what I've done. Have you ever fallen into that trap? Have you ever been so focused on what you've lost, you have forgotten everything he's done? Is it possible our heavenly father knows we get so caught up on the next thing, we forget what he's done? Is it possible our heavenly father knows we have a very real enemy seeking to distract us, scare us, taunt us, mock us, that we'll forget that he's in control? Is it possible our anxiousness and fear and anger is because we forgot that he's in control? He knows. He knows how tempting it can be. Oh, and scripture says in those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell your children, know that Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. No way, oh yeah. Nuh-uh, yep, there's the rocks to prove it. Wow. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. What? Oh yeah. Don't miss this stuff in scripture. This is like the goosebump stuff. Joshua says, you remember the same God of Moses? Oh yeah, oh Moses, oh Moses. Boom, <laughs> Moses. Same God who just did that. Child of God, you want your faith to change? Child of God, you want your prayer life to change? Here's something I want you to understand. The same God that Joshua prayed to the same God that Moses prayed to is the same God you pray to. Exact same God. The same God who parted the Jordan River is the same God, 14-year-old child of God. When you go, dear Heavenly Father, you're praying to the same God. And when you figure that out, your prayer life changes. He goes from this itty-bitty God that's afraid of everything to Oh my word, if that's true, if the same God that Joshua prayed to is the same God who listens to Chris or to use your name if you're a child of God, it changes everything. All of a sudden, people don't seem so scary. The noise of this world gets strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But we forget that. That is a 101 Christian truth, yet it astounds us every time we hear it, because we forget. 
And Joshua says, these memorial stones will be set up for three specific reasons. Could you bring them up? Three specific reasons, he says in this final verse. To remember that the Lord dried up the waters for the Jordan for you to pass over. To reflect that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. And to regard that you may fear the Lord your God. Don't leave them out. Don't leave them out of your decision making. Don't leave them out of your thought processes. Don't leave them out of your relationships. Don't leave them out of your life. Why did he stop the passage and talk about God exalting Joshua? Did you know that Joshua and Jesus are the same name, one's Hebrew, one's Greek. In scholarly world, they call Joshua a type of Christ. In other words, his life points towards Jesus Christ. Is it not interesting that Joshua chose 12 and Jesus chose 12? Isn't it interesting that Joshua stepped into the Jordan River? Isn't it interesting that Jesus stepped into the Jordan River? Isn't it interesting that in the Jordan River, Joshua was exalted in scripture and in God's eyes? Isn't it interesting that in the Jordan River where John the Baptist baptized Jesus, a voice from heaven said, this is my son who I am pleased. Isn't it interesting that Joshua set up a memorial and isn't it interesting that Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Joshua and Jesus. Joshua is a type of Jesus Christ. We can look at Joshua's life and see the life of Jesus far more than just this passage. But this is the same Jordan River that one day Messiah will come and be baptized in. This isn't a little occasion. This isn't kind of a neat little story in scripture. This isn't a felt board moment for a Sunday school teacher. This is an account of God, the great and awesome God, doing something that is impossible to believe without faith and making sure the people put the rocks there to ensure when their faith got shaked, when their faith started to tremble, they'd look at that memorial and not disregard him. The wall of disregard. Is God being disregarded in your house? Is God being disregarded in your apartment? Is God being disregarded in your relationships? Is God being disregarded in your attitude right now? Is God being disregarded in how you treat people? Is God being disregarded in your finances? Is God being disregarded in your decision-making? Is it possible that he's not okay with that? 
I'm thinking based on this passage, he's not okay with that. In fact, if there's any book in scripture that points out how much God does not like it when he is left out of things, it's the book of Jeremiah. Can I point out just a few times in Jeremiah? For example, it's Jeremiah 2.32. They disregarded him in relationships. He said, can a virgin forget her ornaments? A bride forget her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Wait, wait, wait. God even knows how many days? Days without number they've come, not come to me. They've completely disregarded me and in their relationship. It's like they go through life like I'm not here. They, they disregarded him in other areas. Look at this one, impurity. They have perverted their way. They have forgotten the Lord their God. They've disregarded him in this area, in the area of reliance. This is your lot. This is all you're getting. The portion I have measured out to you, declares the Lord, because you have forgotten me and trusted in lies. When we disregard God, it seems for Israel, specifically in Jeremiah, there was a price to pay. They disregarded him in behavior. They say to me, that is in vain. We will follow our own plans and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. They're disregarding me in their behavior. They're disregarding me probably in the worst place, their worship. But my people, they've forgotten me. They make offerings to false gods. God has set up a memorial in Israel at this Jordan River because he knows something about his kids. They forget what I did. They forget. And you can't forget what I've done because if you forget what I've done, you're gonna forget what I can do. Scripture calls us to remember, New Testament believer, remember it was your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he built his church upon a rock. He said, this is my body after he broke it, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time you take communion, you're doing it as a memorial. Next week we honor communion. You'll do it as a memorial. You're remembering him. He's honored when we remember him. Reflect, New Testament church, reflect. Reflect on him. Peter said, I'm gonna spend my whole life reminding you of things that are important in your faith. It's in, it's in 2 Peter, actually. He says, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder so you may recall these things. If you remember our Remarkable series, I rolled out an entire salad and started stirring it up. VKSSGBL. Very kingly super salads get big lettuce. Why? Just to kind of be silly, but to say, we've got to remember these things. If Peter said, I'm going to spend my whole life reminding you of virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. Because why? Because this world's going to get in. And it's going to get after you. And you're going you're gonna to forget that I've called you to live differently. And you'll behave like them. You'll act like them. You'll stoop to the world's level at times. And that's not okay. You need these memorials. So Peter said, I'm going to talk about my whole life. And then third, regard. It was Paul who said to the Romans very sternly, he said, he said this, um, show my verse here. 
But some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God. I'm bold in this, that we regard God. So I got thinking, how could our church do a better job? How could you as your family do a better job of memorializing God? And I think you all need to go to buy 12 gigantic stones and put them in the front yard, something like this, right? No, don't do that. That's a joke. That was a joke. Some of you like, we do have boulders, actually. No, 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 no. Unless you got a river that dries up, don't do that. Neighbors will be like, I'm going to call the township. But what could I memorialize? So, so I wanted to make this unpackable. So I'm going to ask three questions. What could you do a better job remembering? Here it is. What has God brought you through that you never want to forget? What has God already brought you through that you go, I don't want to forget that, especially in the future when I might need that? Follow up. How could you better memorialize that? What is your, if God is for us, who can be against us? If we were having a pastor's meeting and we got all sitting around like this and I got my chair, pastors get around and then they see me come in. Oh, excuse me, guys. Hold on. Before you start, hold up right here. Okay. All right. Okay. Before we pray. All right. Just wanted to, wanted to do that. All right. Let's pray. Um, what's up with the rock? Glad you asked. Let me tell you about this rock. This rock is a memorial in my life of how that's what this is. It's almost a, I'm glad you asked. Guess what I want to tell you? But it's also something you look at and you go, I am so afraid of this current situation. But I remember when that happened in 1983 or 1994, or 2010, or 2016. And it reminds me, every time I look at it, if God is for us, who can be against us? Do you know they say one of the number one ways, I was just reading this, a very scholarly report, and it was interesting. One of the number one ways to erase a society is to forget its past. A society breaks down when it forgets where it came from. And as I was reading that, I thought, what are some things, even in our church history, we could memorialize better? Especially as we go into the new and what we feel God is calling us to, what are some things that can anchor back? And that wasn't recent. That has been a journey over the past year and a half as we've been working through vision. And you know, that was even something neat, not the sole purpose, but it was something very special that came across the leadership's mind in prayer, that God calls us at times to memorialize things. And it came to our attention that there was an opportunity to grab 4th and Arch Street where our church was literally First Baptist Church of Percocy. Hey, what, what, what is that building? You know what? That's where a group of believers gathered that had enough faith to spend a couple thousand dollars to build it. And then I think another $30,000 to buy all this property on Fifth Street. I know, right? Some of you college students are like, I think I could buy that. That's what it was, but it was massive back then. 
but it's a reminder of the faith of those previous generations where God brought them through things. (laughs) This church has gone through the Great Depression. This church has gone through all these things. And we can honor how God has gotten us through those times in our lives, in this wonderful work that has existed well over 100 years. But it's neat sometimes to have things in your life that you can look to. Some families plant trees. And they say, that tree, we planted that in honor of. Some people name a barn or they name their house or their homestead. People come up with ideas to say, I want people to ask me, why is that there? Oh, I want to tell you about God. What could you reflect on our second question? What has God said that you wish others would continually consider? I kind of lived for myself many years in high school. God got my attention right after high school, much more, even my senior year, but right after he really started getting my attention. And I had gone to a conference where I was starting to listen to the preaching instead of just go, when is it done? I was starting to actually listen. You say, it took you till like 19? Yeah, it did, so be patient with the young people. But I started to listen and the pastor said, you gotta have a a life verse, something to anchor into. And I thought, man, I don't have a life verse. But I started praying for one and looking for one. And, and, you know, we always joke back then when our youth pastor would say, what's your life first? Jesus wept. It's the only one that got memorized. We'd say stuff like that. But a verse hit me. And it grabbed me and I said, wow, that's it. And what grabbed me the most, it said, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. That was the line that got me. Because I was considering about whether I was going to go to Bible college. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go to Bible college. I'm like, what if I go there a year? I spend all this money. I do all these things. My parents take me out there and I don't even like it. Or what if I get out there and they're all weird and all this stuff and I don't want to waste another year. I don't want to waste a year. I want to do it in vain. And I thought, nothing for the Lord is in vain. Well, I'm doing this for the Lord, so it's not going to be in vain. But I got reading the big front half of it and it said, be steadfast, unmovable. I was tempted at times to quit things faster than I should have. And that spoke to me, be steadfast instead of quick changing all the time, steadfast, unmovable. I had no idea that God would call me to a ministry where I'd spend 40 some years of my life at the same church. I didn't know that then, but that verse has anchored me. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. It means to overflow. And so I developed out of that, go big, do it for God, not for yourself. Just go big, regardless of what people say your agenda is, go overboard for God your whole life. For as much as you know, Chris, if you do that, it won't be in vain. And I adopted that as my life verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And I went to Lancaster Bible College and I sat down in the lecture hall with our entire class right in the beginning of the year. And the class presidents and leaders of God said, we need, we need a verse for our class. And people were throwing out different verses and stuff. And my heart started to race, which means from God, he's going on your mark, get set. No, no, somebody else's verse. Go, I got up. Hey guys, have you ever wondered if you're gonna do this year in vain? Like, is this gonna be worth anything? And they're all like, one of my buddies just to tease me, amen, preacher. I'm like, all right, stop. Little did he know what he was doing right there. But I was like, you know, we don't wanna do this in vain. What if, what if we pick a verse that really meant a lot to me? It's just 200, 300 people in our class sitting there. And I said, how about 1 Corinthians 15, 58? Be steadfast, unmovable, always bounding in work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor's not in vain in the Lord. And it went from kind of silly, like, amen, yeah, yeah, to, 
oh, that's pretty good. And that was the class. You can look it up in our yearbook. We took that verse and I thought, man, the Lord used me in just that small way to get up in front of people for the first time and talk. And everybody's like, oh, he's just drawing attention to himself. The girls are rolling their eyes. You know, here we go, hotshot guy. All the guys laugh, right? You know, but it was a moment in my life where I was like, okay, whoa, whoa, they went with that. Wow. What's yours? Grandpa, could it be on a picture in the room around all the grandkids? And the grandkids go, Grandpa, you really love that verse. I tell you, I do. It's funny you ask. And kids, just let them tell it for the 15th time. It's okay. It's not gonna hurt anybody. Have I ever told you? Yes, Pop. No, no, don't do that. Just let them tell it and be like, what, really? It just brings joy to them. And I'm gonna need somebody to do that for me. What has God said that you wish others would continually consider? What is a verse that you need to get in front of you more? What is a verse that you need? See, everybody needs a verse. Some of you struggle with anxiety. How do you not have a verse? Some of you struggle with pride. How do you not have a verse to fight that off? God's word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The devil knows where our weaknesses are. We all have flesh patterns that we're drawn to certain things. Some of us might be more drawn to to make mistakes financially. How can you not have a stewardship verse in your life? You need these rocks. You need these things to fall back into. God, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this situation. Oh. If God did it then, He can do it now. If God gave me a verse when I was that age, he can give me a verse now. And then finally, where can you regard him more? What arena of life are you most tempted to disregard God? What arena of life are you like, I kind of don't need him. I believe it was Ian Bounds. I might be misquoting if it's someone else, but they said this, to not pray is a sin. And I was like, that's rough, but I'm listening. To not pray is a sin because it's to say to God, I don't need you today. What reminders do I need to set up in my life so that I don't disregard him? It was 2010, it was my first sermon ever as a lead pastor. The church had called me to that and it was that Sunday to preach and I called the message shimmy shawl. Shimmy shawl, you say, what is a shimmy shawl? That was the point. I have no idea what a shimmy shawl is. And neither did Noah when God said build an ark. Build an ark, oh yeah, yeah, my buddy down the street has one, no. Oh yeah, there's some instructions I can get online. No, build an ark, what's an ark? This is the measurements, just start building. You know, I like to have the full picture if I'm gonna do a puzzle, God. No, just start building. And I liken the ark to a shimmy shawl. When God asks you to do something, you have no idea how to do it. And the people thought I was preaching to them, but I was literally just preaching to myself because I didn't know how long I could possibly preach. I might have three or four good sermons. I'm probably out by then. How long till they realize I'm an idiot? There's all sorts of stuff that goes through your head and the devil pumps it all into you. And I pulled this ark on the stage and it still sits in my office on my 
on my uh, bookshelf next to my True North and Be Remarkable and Trumpets and many other props. But it reminds me on those days where I'm tempted, oh yeah, you've been preaching some 10 some years. Do you really just go ahead? You know how to put a sermon together. You follow that ark. You follow the ark. You don't get out in front of it. Child of God, don't hit power on an Apple computer before you've prayed. Don't disregard God in the car, at the workplace, in your life. Because the devil likes to trick us. He makes us think we're so self-reliant we don't need that ark out in front of us. And so God sometimes tells us, I want a memorial. Because God's nostalgic? No. Because I want you to remember what I've done. Why? You're going to need it in the future when you're tempted to think, I can't handle what you're currently going through. But God, you don't know what I'm going through. If God is for us, who can be against us? God, I, I know you delivered in the past, but if I can do it then, I can do it now. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this as a memorial in my life. I'm gonna put it on my bookshelf so I remember. If God asked for it then, I may need it in the future. And when my children ask, what is that? I go, I'm glad you asked. Heavenly Father, may we be a church, may we be a people that don't disregard you in our homes. Lord, may we have honest conversations in the car on the way home. May we turn off this sermon online and sit and think for a minute. Maybe even take the time to talk amongst our families. Do you remember the time that we saw so evidently God in our lives there? How could we better memorialize that? God, maybe somebody's gonna have a conversation of a verse that means so much to them and simply start by saying, can I tell you a verse that's always meant a lot to me? For Lord, in the busyness of life, we talk about so many things. There's a chance we've talked about our country more than we've talked about you this year. Lord, redirect our conversations. Put memorials in our lives, memories in our lives that we set up, that we stumble over if we have to, to remember that you are for us. So who can be against us? To remember that if you did it once, you can do it again. And if you asked us to remember what you've done in the past, you know we probably forget and we're gonna need it for the future. Lord, may we never disregard you in this place. May this be a house of prayer, a place of truth, and a people of love. In Jesus' name, amen.